On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we're going to dive into the last two Milwaukee Bucks-Brooklyn Nets games. We're going to dive in so deep, we're going to get sticky. We're going to dive off a cliff here, Mike, with these games. Sorry, that was morbid. That's too morbid to start the show with. <laughs> Let's start the show. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall. Go to TheAthletic.com slash Glue Guys. Wow. And Brian. Wow. A couple of pros. The, the Nets are floundering. Yeah. Flou- if they were a fish, they would yeah. be a flounder. Um, Mike, what did you watch the games? Were you able to... Not avert your eyes while that was happening, not shield your face, because those were some stressful games. All three of them, bad for different reasons. I think if if I'm going to be real honest about this, right? Oh, wow. I think positives and negatives. I have both positives and I have negatives. All right. Um, but we're obviously, we're coming off, we're recording this on Wednesday at 1, 1, 1 p.m. Um, and the Nets have lost three in a row. Uh, they've lost two in a row to the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. The Nets, a team that was previously last week in the number one seed, is actually getting closer and closer to the three seed, um, which actually doesn't really matter, to be honest, the two versus three. But, um, Brian, I feel like you're in an emotional place right now after that Bucks game. Tell me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. What, I mean, basically, what? here's why it's an emotional thing, because I think I reached a conclusion, Mike. And that's, and sometimes conclusions can be good and they can be bad. And this conclusion was the latter. It was a bad conclusion, which is to say that we're not that good of a team without James Harden. It's just, (laughs) I mean, we're good, but we're not good enough to get past, certainly not Milwaukee, maybe not Philly, but um, our our hopes and dreams are uh, well and good. Gotta have have a motorcycle right right when I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Hopes and dreams are truly pinned to the James Harden return experience. Uh, yes. And that's a conclusion that, you know, there was just, there's just no two ways about it anymore. In my mind, it's locked in. James Harden is the engine that makes this, this train go, the, this locomotion go. He's the caboose. He's it, the caboose, the engine. He's, he's the, we're the, throwing coal inside of him. Yeah. Getting him steamed up. It's like a internal combustion engine. It's so obvious too. It's so conspicuous just how much he actually makes this offense. Where it's funny because we were like, we were winning games without him, whatever, but we were like mostly banging up bad teams. Once we actually played against a team who was like committed to playing a version of playoff defense, it was like, which is, I think Milwaukee very much like rose to the occasion to be like, this is, we're going to put our foot in the ground here about this whole Nets stomping their way to the finals bs we've been hearing uh i think that there was plenty of bulletin board material going up flying all right all over the bulletin boards everywhere and uh (laughs) there's just a bunch of tack boards it was crazy pinning up quotes and they really dug down played some real defense and it screwed it effed us up good it screwed us up in a variety of ways yeah but the net i mean the net still scored 
118 last night, and they scored 118 after missing 10 free throws. Dude, in crunch time, when it mattered, when they turned up, yes. it that was it. That's how you finish games. That's how you close games. My, I guess here's here's the positive. I'll start positive that will spin out, and it talks. It right. lines with the point that you were just saying, which is that the Bucks were by far the more motivated team, right? Uh, Blake Griffin talked about it after uh, Tuesday night's game where he was like, Dante DiVincenzo mm. can't get six offensive rebounds ever again. It's essentially what he said. I love calling out Delaware's own Dante DiVincenzo. Yeah. Um, I think it's a good motivating factor for your Brooklyn Nets that they actually lost these two games as bad and as scary as it is and as likely now that the number one seed is pretty much like out of the picture, right? Like, of course it could happen, but the... We detailed this on the last episode. Mm -hmm. The Sixers' schedule is one of the easiest in the NBA, and the Nets, in terms of remaining games, and the Nets is one of the hardest, and the Nets have what? There's only six more games left in the yeah. season at this point. Um, so the number one seed is 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 not within grasp. It is, it is far away. I think it's a good motivation thing that the Nets lost this game. I think it... it, it at least in this mindset, if they had just rolled over the Bucks, yeah, that'd be great. That would be awesome. They would go into maybe a potential Bucks series just feeling like overconfident in not a good way. Mm -hmm. I think, in fact, this could be spun and be like, you could tell Duran and Irving were in the mindset like th these games matter. I'm concerned about the role players that surrounded those two guys because basically no one else stepped up besides Blake Griffin, maybe, in that moment. We we're going to have a Joe Harris conversation. Do you feel like it's worth having a Joe Harris conversation? Um, yeah, I mean, we could do that. Yeah, if you've got some, some spicy Joe Harris takes. He's not worth the money. He's terrible. Wow. He's the worst shooter. <laughs> wow, wow. Oh, my Lord. I'm a little worried about our friend Joe. I'm a little worried. Is it, wait, let me, guess, let me guess your take before you give it. Is that okay? Please, I'm here. So, based on his pe past playoff experience in it, that he doesn't rise to uh like high stress occasions is this part of your argument that you're going to make here and as we're I'm getting closer to high stress games that he's sort of receding into the background that's cause for concern i'm a little worried about joe so he scored 12 <laughs> points okay. in this game against the bucks he was four that's for fine. eight from three so you can't yeah. you can't be what upset you so, with what that you so worried about there are just moments there's just long stretches of the game Probably because you know Kyrie has the ball and Kevin Durant have the ball, and then he's he's just waiting for a pass, and they're not really running the Joe Harris plays anymore because you don't run the JJ Redick coming around to screen plays, long developing plays, searching open for a three point shooter. When you have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, you just don't run those plays, mm -hmm. right? Like because those guys, by their own force of will, should open up free shots for Joe Harris. And they have, and Joe is leading, I think he's still leading the NBA in three-point shooting percentage, or is in the top three or whatever it is. But in these big games, there, there are times when Joe just doesn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And when you have James Harden out there, like, it's not going to matter as much. But the Nets really need do need that, you know, that fourth player, and... I wish Joe's threat of three was a little bit more threatening to the other team at times. Like I, I don't know if it like if it spooks them the way it used to with Kyle Corver or 
you know, Steph Curry. I don't know. I just, there's something there. There's something missing mm. that happens in big games. It's not like I'm saying he like chokes. Obviously, he's shot 50% from three on eight attempts. Fantastic. I've, I've um, been noticing a progressive. I just want a little more. I want a little more. I, I think KD is is on your page. Have you been noticing a progressive chirpiness <laughs> going on between KD in general? KD's like reached his sort of like uh, competitive wherever that like nerve ending is like most exposed. It's there. You can tell he's like in a yes. state of agitation, which has been interesting because like his leadership, um, his version of leadership is pretty acerbic i'll say it's a little bit intense it's Ooh. sort of of the um i was talking about this it's a little bit of the michael jordan version of it which is like is it, it sardonic maybe no it's not sardonic no, not at all it's very literal um <laughs> i forget who it was i think it was i think it was uncle jefe converde even a you know uh, everyone's favorite who Cinco de Mayo <laughs> shout out <by laughs> shout out to Cinco de Mayo uh, who was shooting free throws towards somewhere like in the last it's six minutes of that game uh, last night and I got the sense that you know people were doing the like you know high fives and Kevin Durant was like hey make this next effing shot dog like the Nets three the Nets not even threesome Harden and Durant really have that energy mm-hmm. this season like Harden there was a shot I don't know if did you see the shot of Harden on the bench I don't know if he was exactly watching DeAndre Jordan but uh, someone tweeted this out and I retweeted it there's a image of the bench where like DeAndre Jordan's guarding uh, Giannis and they shoot to the bench and James Harden, obviously in street clothes, something bad happens on the floor and Harden just like mm. puts his hand into his face and just shakes his head yeah. and is so disappointed. I, I, th- there is that energy. This team, and I like the energy because I know that they care. Like I know that that they want that championship yeah. with this team and with this squad. <laughs> and I think... Durant was showing that signs of like, there was a little bit of that energy of like, this should be a better, we should be better right now. Yeah. Even without Harden, the team should be playing better. And can can I also say that like the the part that was really like when it was truly falling apart, like in that last I don't know four minutes of the game last night, where mm-hmm. we were, it was like tied at one hundred four or somewhere around there, and then they went on like a sixteen runner point runner, something stupid like that, and it was all off these like kind of broken plays, but ended up in kind of layups and stuff of just like yeah. giving up a bunch of like offensive rebounds and having it just all be like sloppy, and then just like random Dante Divincenzo putbacks. And uh, it was really tr- triggering to watch for, for everybody. And that's the kind of like, you know, that and then like to have that go be going on. And then on the other end, like just not just super not executing in crunch time minutes from a Ky- Ky- Kyrie plus KD led offense was a meme before. So how much do you read into the meme of like basically without James Harden, Kyrie and KD equal a 500 around 500 team? I mean, because no, that's well, that's stop. the those are the stats. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I said, read into the meme, Mike. So I'm not telling you that this is how I feel, but this is basically like what it is. It's I like, think I forget what the number is, but it's basically 10 and 10, something like that. It may be a proper meme if it's uh, Kyrie KD without Harden, Karis LeVert, Torian. Like, hang on. Let me recontextualize this for you. We yeah, are please. Five, a 500 team with Let Kyrie. Let me recontextualize <laughs> this for you. Brian hates Kevin Durant, yeah, Kyrie. Right. So right. I'm no, recontextualizing your recontextualization. No, I'm, the, I, I came at this with like, is the like? It seems like it's not what's actually literally what's happening, and it is. Yeah. We are literally a 500 team when those are when we're not when we don't we have those two guys and not James Harden. So that's actually you literally what's hate happening. Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. I literally Why hate you right now for, you for give derailing Kyrie his due. But the point Why is, is like, you? do you do you worry about that number at all? Does that need to be higher? 
Okay, Does so the win worry, total need to be higher. The the worry would only come in if I believe that James Harden's not going to come back healthy. And I can't answer that. Question, I want to put Brian. that in a vacuum. I want to put that in a vacuum because obviously, yes, that changes everything, and that's great. Do, is this like a, like a a an average to above average team without James Harden? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fi- that's fine because as I said. Not only is James Harden not playing, but all the guys you gave up to get James Harden, the idea of giving up all that depth to bring in Harden is that then you have three stars and you're amazing. This team needs James Harden. Like, that's yes, they need James Harden. Um, you hope that he comes back healthy. You hope he doesn't re aggravate his hamstring. He's traveling with the team. That That's usually a good indication that he's coming back soon. I think Nash even said something like he's progressing on his way back. You know, yeah. I. I I can I I'm done with progress. I want to see production. Is he going to play a regular play. season game? Is he going to play another one? I think he is. Mm-hmm. I think he is. What there's six games left, as we said. Yeah. If I can do my math correctly, which is, which someone's going to be like, you didn't do math. Correctly, is he getting? Is, is he getting fair. three games in there? Is he getting? How many games are you getting? In? Well, let's. I'm going to take a peek at the schedule as we're talking. But so, do you think? I think he one he will. Do you think it's necessary? Like, do you think there's benefit? to giving him regular season games to sort of work in the flow. Here's the schedule as it lays out going forward. So the Nets play at Dallas, Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks on uh, Thursday night basketball TNT against your Brooklyn Nets in Dallas. Then they go to at Denver, a 10 PM tip. Brian and I will be uh, on their on Twitch live streaming. Well, Brian mm-hmm. will be, I don't know if I will. Uh, and then at Chicago and then this, so it's at Chicago Spurs home, Bulls home, Cleveland home to end out that season. That, that's a nice – the Nets are probably not going to get the one seed now. They – I don't know how much they care about two versus three, but that that's a nice progression after coming off those two Dallas-Denver games going into sort of like a, a nice cushy landing spot. Mm-hmm. Those home games are interesting. Now, Harden's on this road trip. That, again, is an indication that he's going to come back sooner rather than later. There's only two more – there's three more road games to go. Could he go return at Chicago for that one game? And then it's a back-to-back. It's Chicago Tuesday, Spurs Wednesday at home. You sit out that Spurs game. And then it's a back-to-back Saturday-Sunday matchup, Bulls-Cavs. Harden plays another Bulls game on that Saturday and then sits out the Sunday <laughs> game to finish out the season. I could see that happening. Um, mm. This team names – here's a take, right? The Nets need James Harden. Yeah, they they, they do. They the whole they do. this whole thing is built around uh, Kevin Durant's the like the singular talent, right? Like he he can get off a shot whenever he wants. Harden's been the best player on the team. He was the MVP candidate when he was playing on the team. The team was incredible. Uh, we haven't seen the big three play together really at all this year. But like Harden is the guy who, if the team sucks around him, he impacts winning the most, right? Like I think if we were power ranking, sort of the if you only could have one of them and you wanted your team to be competitive, I would put Harden above Durant because Harden controls the ball more. He dishes out, he hands more assists. He's more able to sort of be the entire offense while also keeping the shooters involved. Where as great as Durant is, he's just not like he's ultimately such like a unique weapon, but he isn't this sort of all consuming force yeah. in the way that Harden is. Yeah, um, this team needs Harden, and 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 James Harden makes a massive difference in a Bucks game. 
but there's things in the Bucks game that I could feel like could be positives and could be negatives that we could discuss on some level. I'm trying to think of like what kind of weapon, like if I was doing like a a killer comparison of a kind of like, you know, (laughs) what kind and like, because Kevin Durant. Harden's a Gatling gun. If we're, I don't know. Like a Civil War era. <laughs> like, like a, like, you know, a thing like that a, spins a, a like super a, like inefficient, a inaccurate. Is, yeah, that's you not what I get. Not a big gun family <laughs> guy. Not, weapons weren't a part of the uh, smelts You can even go into up. like video game weapons, but I'm saying like Kevin Durant's like version, like why he is a, an effective RP9, weapon. RCP90. He's like almost like, have you ever played Perfect, Perfect Dark? Um, no. th- on N64 is like the far sight, which is just like wherever you are, it kind of like shoots through a wall and, and hits the thing. It just, that's <laughs> we, what it we is. We could do golden eye yeah. weapons to never, never play. You should, you should pick up that perfect arc. It's aged, aged really well. You'll love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I will, I will, I'm going to walk over and buy, go to GameStop after I can unload all my GameStop stock and I will buy a perfect arc. Let's do this. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back. We're going to dive much more into Bucks, Nets, and then spin it forward. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian. Here's the mm-hmm. things. This is this is a new segment. Things I like. Things I'm mad about. Okay. Okay. The, so the things I liked in the Bucks game were that Durant and Kyrie. I mean, they were like pretty amazing, pretty great. They you know they put up both of them put more than thirty points. Durant, yes, Durant missed the two threes at the end of the game in that same possession that you know would have brought the game. I think within one possession or one point or whatever it would have been. Durant missed the shot that you wanted to see him make, but both were pretty great. And I'm a person that believes you learn things from losses. You learn more from losses than wins. Um, can we talk about the sagging defense, though, on Giannis? Can we talk about the way the Nets are attacking Giannis mm. uh, for a second? Yeah. I understand it, right? Like, that is what you should do. That's what everyone in the NBA has done against Giannis. I feel, though, that, like... All these past two games have done is just give Giannis like even more confidence going into a potential, you know, second round matchup against the Brooklyn Nets because yeah. he, from game one and then the first half of game two, was hitting threes at a ridiculous rate for his career, and it just made the Nets look silly. The but do time. you think that this is playing rope a dope with our true seeker weapon? who only played for five minutes in our Nick back-to-back Claxton. series of Nick Claxton. Is that <laughs> is that the long con? <laughs> those Nick Claxton possessions, I want to see all those Twitter NBA analysts, the guys who break down film, I want to see them break down those Nick Claxton Giannis possessions because uh, your boy Nick was locking down mm. two-time MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, I think he's a two-time MVP. The... <laughs> Here's what I don't want, okay? I understand the sagging defense. Like, I that is what you do against Giannis. He is such an unstoppable force. When he goes to the rim, he's so quick, so powerful, that if you have a guy directly on him, Giannis is going to get by, and he's going to get by for a dunk. I get that. So you sag because he can't shoot. I don't want the Nets and Steve Nash to be stuck in that style of defense if they get into the series with the Bucks. The Nets have to be flexible, and they have to have options defensively. And the, it, they can't just simply have, hey, we're going to sag off Giannis and give him that shot. Because you know what happens? That's what the Bucks did against the Raptors when the Raptors won the championship that year. We're going to give them those threes. Guess mm. what? Fred Van Vliet, new dad, Fred Van Vliet, shot threes all over him. And the Raptors went on and beat the Bucks, and then they went on to win the NBA championship. 
The Bucks have been victims of, we have a way we're going to do this. We have a system. We have a way we're going to coach. We have a way we're going to defend. We have a way we're going to play offense. And it has failed them. I want, and Nash has been good with this, flexibility. Don't just sag. Give me like a couple of Bruce Brown possessions on Giannis where Bruce Brown's like right in his grill. Mm. Durant defended Giannis at times, and I want to see that. I want to, I mean, frankly, we've talked about this before. I think this is your take that I made fun of you about. James Harden. Um, James Harden on Giannis. I, we, Harden's a big, beefy boy. I mean, have we, are you going to drop Blake Griffin's name who gave you great saggy, he gave great saggy minutes last night. This is some of the best saggy minutes. Blake Griffin, um, I I have been so damn proud of of your boy Blake. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been pretty impactful, particularly because Lamarcus Aldridge is obviously not playing anymore. Um, <laughs> Blake has just become even more important. There's an amazing stat before um, you dive in here, and my soliloquy ends. Uh, Seth Bartnow from the Athletic, former uh, director of analytics for the Milwaukee Bucks, had a great thing in his column on the Athletic of Blake Griffin's dunk rate by season. And he goes from rookie season on. It's just percentages of bar graph. Love love a good bar graph. Um, Blake was dunking the ball about 19% of his field goal attempts at his peak with the Clippers. And then it goes down, 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 down. In Detroit, in his all-NBA season, his 2018-2019 when he was like within the all-NBA, only 3% of his field goal attempts were dunks. Mm-hmm. Now in Brooklyn, it's up to 8%. Wow. Blake Spiking. is dunking. He's dunking. And and he's doing it well. Um, how did you feel about how the Nets were defending Giannis? Were you upset? I I'm not as opposed to sag, Sagnacious D as you are. Um, see what I did there? The old there? saggy balls. The old <laughs> saggy balls. D. Sagnacious D. Um, I I think. Well, I mean, when it was doing when when it's done skillfully, it's actually a very like I you get the sense that Giannis can get pretty confused because I think. Um, I think where Giannis is at his worst and is where he's like laterally trying to break down a defender from the elbow. Like once you get him in there and he's sort of like trying to, he doesn't have great like open hips. He doesn't, he hasn't been doing his open, his downward F dogs. You can tell his hips aren't super open and he doesn't have the great, he really wants to be going downhill on people. So I think like sagging is um, a good strategy if you're doing well. I was actually like at times impressed with DeAndre Jordan's ability to get out on him and contest his little mid-rangers yeah. once in a while, whereas he like nor- almost never does that against anybody else. But it seems like in this case they were like, <laughs> "Hey, this is how this is. We're all going to be paying attention to how you do this. So now is a good time to actually do this." Um, so he was doing it here and there. It wasn't a great, obviously, like fit, and Giannis had his way for most of the game in those minutes. Um, Blake, a good look at him. He was doing some good Sagnatia stuff, especially in crunch time, because Giannis at the end of that game was not the reason why they were like kicking butt, really. Um, it was a lot of everybody else. It was Drew, Dante DiVincenzo. It was really, and also like Drew Holiday's. I I continue yeah. to underrate Drew Holiday, and I guess I'm like the only one that's doing that anymore. But uh, he would have been a nice net. I know the Nets got James Harden. Get James you, Harden's get way right better. Out of here. Um, he would have been fine. He would have been. He wouldn't. Uh, he's no. He's no James Harden, Mike. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, the the thing is that so Holiday is the best, the best perimeter defender in the NBA, right? And so in in a playoff matchup, because that's all you're thinking about, right? Like, yeah, the Nets lost these two games. They were in Milwaukee. There's all the caveats that we could lap onto it. Uh, but in a seven game series, if Harden's healthy, 
Drew Holiday will be on either Kyrie or Harden, but that means the other guard is going to be open. And I mean, again, Holiday was guarding Kyrie last night, and Kyrie had thirty eight. So yep. it's not like, you know, it's not like he's going to shut down everyone throughout the entire series. The thing that bothered me beyond the sagging defense, mm. the old the old saggies, it's just that it was just too damn easy. Too damn easy for the Bucks. Yeah. Like it, offensively they could they, there was no pressure, right? Like they the Nets didn't give it an, an obscene amount of points. They didn't give up a uh, <clears throat> Oklahoma City Thunder to the Indiana Pacers obscene amount of points mm. or or any Wizards game in the history of the world. But it just didn't feel like it felt like the Bucks were were dedicated and intense and trying to re- do everything they could to win the game, where the Nets were kind of like feeling themselves out throughout the game and not well d- didn't for the have entire the series. Energy. For the, we we weren't playing any of our dogs the entire series. We played five minutes of Nick Claxton, five seconds of, of Bruce Brown, no Alizé Johnson. I mean, what kind of dognacious D are you going to get without the? <laughs> I'm just going full dognacious every. D um, and and the expectation that we're just gonna have we're like Mike James is gonna flip that switch is that ain't it ain't it you we're, hate Mike James I am not I'm not loving Mike James in impactful <laughs> minutes he's okay he's fine he scored ten points uh, in ten minutes yeah he uh, he was in during a lot of the other like parts that weren't going so well yeah I, that's true I, that I find, is true I find Mike James an unreliable defender I'll say that he scored 10 points in 10 minutes and had a, a negative 8 plus minus yeah anyways so, I'm not I'm not trying to dog him specifically they, you, you know you throw in Landry Shamit's name or anybody else because I didn't yeah, see throw him because I didn't see him one turn, eight, turn up six three. Um, but anyways we I, I don't know if there was again we're like kind of like joking about this but if there is a long con here where we're hiding all of our like high energy players to not play against the best <laughs> teams um that's one version of it but i would have liked to see a whole lot more bruce brown a whole lot more nick Clax- in the one like sequence of that nick claxton was in, he looked amazing still like he there was a great moment where he closed out perfectly on a bobby portis three and then when bobby portis made his move to go around the closeout he switched off perfectly on Giannis and caused a loose ball that ended up in his steal it was like for a guy anyways we've talked about nick claxton's defense forever but those like he's one of the few guys where like mo- defensive moments like that stick out in your mind um, and he was just not playing, and he just was not playing this whole series. So yeah, I mean, he he was coming back from COVID. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm not saying the, the I'm not saying I, I ramp. Yeah, he's they're ramping him up, but I was just saying like that's a big that's a big part of any um as crazy as it is to say at this point in the season, or maybe not. It's I guess less crazy at this point in the season. He's a big part of whatever strategy we're throwing to to shut down a Giannis, not shut him down, but to do any kind of defensive strategery. That's that's going to be a name that you throw at him, and we just weren't doing it. Yeah, and 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 he he, I mean, we joke about James Harden's D on Giannis. Not that he's going to be guarding on, but like the guys who can press up on Giannis and make him feel a little bit more uncomfortable are Nick Claxton and James Harden and Kevin Durant. But Durant, you're just not going to. I don't feel comfortable putting that workload on well, Kevin Durant. I didn't like that, that Durant was guarding Giannis at times, and then he was getting PJ Tucker at the other end. I wanted that. Let's go. Let's go back and forth. I think Kev, I think Durant wanted that. I think he was getting frustrated with the the asymmetry <laughs> of that whole situation. And yeah, also, I, PJ Tucker's annoying. But if you look at the plus minus, and again, plus minus is is silly. It doesn't tell you really anything beyond it does not not the whole picture at all. 
there's something that I, I feel like something's going on with Jeff Green that we don't fully know about in terms of there, there's like a lack of pop. I mean, he's obviously had amazing dunks recently. And uh, so it's not like athleticism pop. I, he's just had these like, there's just game. This is just the Jeff Green experience, I guess. The classic Jeff Green experience where there's some games where he scores 27 and he has five three made makes five threes and has two great dunks and gets a bunch of rebounds and is super active. And then there's a game. I mean, he scored 10 points and had five rebounds. That's all you can expect from Jeff Green. But I don't. I'm not going to sit here and take this Jeff Green slander. That's that's for damn sure. I just I'm I'm looking not for on Cinco de Mayo of all days. Happy <laughs> <laughs> <Fe> birthday. <laughs> I'm a little shook, mm-hmm. okay? A little shook. And we've been talking about it all season. Everyone has been focused on the Sixers-Nets. What are the Nets going to do with Joel Embiid? Oh, my God. That's so scary. You and I have been saying all year, the Bucks are actually the team that are the worst matchup for the Nets because they have so much length plus athleticism, and they have a, the best perimeter defender in the NBA in Drew Holiday. They, they can just make the Nets very uncomfortable. What Steve Nash didn't do in this game, though, was he had a very traditional lineup coming out on the floor. The starting lineup against this Bucks team was Kyrie, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan at center, Jeff Green, and Kevin Durant. That's the big, that's like the big Nets lineup, right? That's the jumbo lineup for the Nets. The Nets didn't do small ball. They didn't really go Kevin Durant at the five, surround him with Joe Harris, Shamit, and then eventually in the playoffs, Kyrie Irving and James Harden, right? Like the Nets have that lineup that they, they will hopefully be able to have in the playoffs and it will force Brooke Lopez off the floor. Not that Brooke was like incredibly impactful, but it's going to force him off the floor and force the Bucks to be flexible, something Mike Boonholzer isn't. Mm-hmm. Boonholzer isn't flexible. This no. has been his problem his whole career as a coach. He has an amazing system, but he likes to have his team play a specific way. Mm-hmm. The thing that the Bucks have this time around, though, that they do have PJ Tucker, and Tucker only had three points in this game, but he is he is still this sort of like this oddly impactful guy, even when he only has three points mm-hmm. uh, in a basketball game. I don't know, Bri. <clears throat> they need James Harden. Okay, everything yeah. looks different with James Harden. Everything. Everything changes. He he makes the team better. Um, there was something else a lot of people were really upset with on uh, on Twitter last night, Brian. Okay. I want to get your thoughts on this. Sure. So the Nets had a stretch. Uh, you know, there was an amazing stat that uh, the TNT broadcast put up going into the fourth quarter. The Nets had the lead going into the fourth quarter. The Nets had basically won like 31 out of 33 games where they had the lead going into mm-hmm. the fourth quarter. And the Bucks were like four and seventeen if they were trailing in the fourth. Okay, and, and you know the Bucks ended up winning this game. They only had a two point lead, I think, going into the uh, two or four point lead the Nets did. But as the as the Bucks got the lead and then began expanding it, the Nets and Steve Nash did not call a timeout. Uh, people were very upset that Steve Nash did not call a timeout, and he was asked about it in the post game press conference. And Steve Nash said. We could have called a timeout here or there for sure, but there's also a part of our team that you want to learn to problem solve. And then he went, kind of went on to say, could I have called a timeout? Sure. But also, eh, maybe I didn't want to, which mm-hmm. he didn't really want to. Um, did you feel like how, – how much blame does Steve Nash get? It Was the lack of timeout, would that have altered the fabric of the, of the future? Could everything be different? Was that the butterfly effect? <laughs> 
for the future. <laughs> um, I mean, I would I would say it was part of a a chorus of things that were not going well. Um, but I I will say that I'm I, if if I when I have you know a when I take ayahuasca and see myself as a pro- professional NBA coach, you know what what kind of a coach would I be? Um, I think of myself as a pretty auto timeouty kind of guy, a, a reflex timeout kind of guy. I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like, you know, you're not taking them to heaven with you. You got to use those timeouts. You got them. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go. If something's going wrong, got them smoking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so I err on the side of there, you know, stop the bleeding, the triage timeout. Um, <clears throat> I understand that that's, you know, everyone's got their own way. And I don't know that there's ever been a, you know, longitudinal study about what's the best way to, to, that would be a good study. I think it would be a good study. I don't know how that would be tough to f- kind of figure out the parameters of it, but to figure out like teams going on a run, the other team, when they call a timeout, the effect post timeout. I, th- I don't think it'd be that hard. I feel like you could, you could sort of, well, you would have to do like do a, a poll on like, when is the time where it's become like, it's become ti- like timeout time. That's sort of like where you need to get a consensus on, right? Like, I think you could figure that out, right? Like, the the consecutive baskets made by opposing team right into a timeout it's probably like five baskets in a row there's a range there's going to be a range yeah Um, there's a range let's do this let's do this study with glue guys institute who wants to fund this this research (laughs) um but anyways so i'm saying like i i also acknowledge though that that's not a universal norm right that's like there are coaches who are notoriously reflexive timeouters and there's plenty of very good coaches who are definitely not that way um i can't think of any examples right now but i'm sure there are well, plenty. so i have an example okay. and and this is how i'll defend steve nash greg popovich yes, is popovich the type was, of guy. i was gonna say it was pop but i thought it, I, I, yeah. Anyways, yeah he Pop is the guy who for many years has used the regular season as a laboratory to figure out things about his team, to allow his team to work out things. And he's classically at ver- at various times been a non-timeouter. He's the type of guy who will let his teams work out their stuff. He he does odd lineups. He puts guys in the starting lineup and mixes and matches. And he will also not call timeouts at specific moments when other coaches would just to see how his team would react. Mm-hmm. Now, so if you're doing something that Popovich is doing, it's probably a good thing. And I think overall, you don't want to be a how did you describe yourself an auto timeouter? Yeah. What was something yeah, like that? As yeah. So I think as a coach, like I don't like the energy of like oh oh crap, we just gave up four straight baskets. Coach is going to call timeout. He's going to save us. Like mm-hmm. I like I like a coach like Steve Nash being like guys, figure it out. You guys are good. You've won championships. Why don't you try yeah. to figure it on the floor? And he's done that the entire year. So I am I was completely fine with the lack of a timeout. I am not a, a apostle of the timeout army. Can I say something? Is there no. a way to track w- what coach leads the like? Does anyone keep a record <laughs> of how many people have timeouts that like they didn't use over the course of a game and who has the most of those because that's a good I mean, you're forced to be google my my like board game brain is thinking about like it's a resource to be used it's you know you're putting yourself at a disadvantage in the macro if you're not using all of your resources in the time they're supposed to be used is that a thought you're googling it right now yeah i was i mean this is gonna it's a tough way google too, that's gonna be a tough google there is a reddit yeah. which coaches call the most least timeouts um, but this is from five years ago, and the first hit is Jeff Hornacek. So I don't know if it's like the best data. It's good um, data. 
There's nine out. comments. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Who? from Sons it's from Sons Reddit. Got it. So who's, that's why who's, I think about Oh, so it's a, it's a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. Damn. It. Um Yeah, I I understand everyone who thought that the Nets should call timeout. Steve Nash called timeout during the fourth quarter as the Bucks were they got the lead and they were expanding the lead. Those are times when you see every other coach in the NBA do that. I support the sort of the let the players figure it out or try to figure it out on their own theorem. I support that. It is a Popovich thing. And not that Steve Nash played for Greg Popovich, but there's a lot of, you can see that there's a lot of sort of the similar DNA in between the two coaches where Steve Nash is just a nice guy. Popovich is just a grumpy guy mm. um, in the, with the media. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it now. The thing is that's going to be different is that in the playoffs, you can't just let guys work stuff out because each game matters so much more. So I am interested to see, you know, that's like <clears throat> Nash, again, like Pop, has used the whole season partly due out of, you know, he's forced to do so as a laboratory. You know, guys have been in and out of the lineup. Who He's been giving guys role players big minutes, and then he takes it away and then comes back and he gives them again. We talked about this before. Is Steve Nash going to become much more regimented mm. in the postseason? Because you kind of need to be that way. But I also think with the Nets team, it's like you could have a 35-minute Blake Griffin game and then come back around and then Nick Claxton's getting those 35 minutes the next game in the playoffs. There, so it's just There's also different. another sort of like half of that logic wheel that I could go to the other side, where it's, which is like there's, you know, there's a, the player's version of it where he's like, sorry, did I, were you I trying love to your, I love this one of those Brian logic wheel. Yeah. Like, is that a real phrase or is this just a, a thing you invent? It's a thing I'm inventing. You right invented now. the wheel. Yeah. 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 We're, so we're looking at like players. Can they problem solve? Uh, well, what about you, Steve? Can you problem solve this into a, a, a heckin' win, buddy? Are you going to problem solve that dub? Because what you what matters for you is getting dubs, you know, and we don't have a whole lot of – I mean, we, you've gotten plenty of dubs, so there's some evidence to suggest that you can do it. But um, I would like to see instead of – you know, because there's the, – this is a Brad Stevens meme, right, which is like process via over outcomes. And sure. I would say that like – there's a there's a, that's there's that logic wheel, but then there's the other other logic wheel, which is like, can a coach do whatever it takes to manufacture a W when it matters? You know, like, can I put in the right combination of players, rotation, uh, you know, timeouts, whatever in game management you need to do to yeah. actually just pull a W out of your butt? And that's a great, that's a great, yeah, because we haven't had the Steve Nash is a maestro game, mm-hmm. right? Right, like he manipulated the lineups and the. T- and timeouts because it's one of the few things a coach can really do to halt momentum in a game. We haven't had that, right? You know, and the you know out of, out of t- after timeout plays and you know, well, he's pretty good at that. Yeah, I mean, that, obviously, he's a basketball very, genius. It's very convenient to be like, well, you know, I wanted to teach them a few things about their problem solving <laughs> <laughs> issues. Like, all right. it's like when my son like has a yeah. meltdown at yeah. the grocery store. It's like. I just want to let him. I just want to work through this those le- feelings. This, you wouldn't recognize it, but this is a lesson we're teaching him right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I understand. Like, I understand both sides. Mm-hmm. I understand the call the timeout people, the, the cabal of call the timeouters, mm-hmm. and the uh, anti timeout army. It is a cabal. That, it is a global a cabal. cabal. Yeah. Um, and, but you know, I I don't. I do think. It matters. So Nash also had this quote, and it's weird how ESPN sort of aggregated it in this way, where the aggregation headline 
for Steve Nash's quote was Nash colon the Nets have a chemistry gap. Okay. And when you listen, so when I read that, I'm like, oh my God, mm -hmm. Steve Nash is throwing these guys under the bus. When you listen to the video, which is what it was, Nash is just talking about how he's like, you know, we have one team, the Bucks, who've played together for many years mm -hmm. and they, they run a system and they're great in the system and it's given them a lot of success. And then you have us who, you know, we're a new team. A lot of the guys haven't played together and we're trying to make up the gap. How do we fit that gap of chemistry between what, how the Bucks play and how we're playing right now? Can we sort of get our team together? And I love that too. And I think that's why you see Kevin Durant playing 40 minutes. And that's why they will want James Harden to link it back to what we talked about earlier. Mm hmm they're going to want to see James like if obviously if he's healthy they're going to want to see him play regardless he'll want to play. Yeah. Um and I think they want to get Mins for James Harden, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to play together even if it's a Cavs game at the end of the year that has no impact on the standings. Big time. They're going to want to there's you just want to see it to happen. <clears throat> uh do you want to do playoff matchup update real quick? Yeah, please. Is it going to be about the Wizards? I bet it is. Play it? the sounder. Playoff matchup. Beep beep do. Uh, the Nets are currently the two seed. They are a game and a half above the Bucks. The 76ers, uh, the 76ers are the one seed. The Nets are a game and a half behind the Sixers. Uh, it's unlikely that the Nets, at this point, having lost the last three games and the Sixers winning the past five games, that the Nets will catch the Philadelphia 76ers. But this is how it stands right now. 76ers is the first seed. They would play whoever would be the eighth seed after the play-in. The Nets are the two seed. And right now the seventh seed is your Boston Celtics. Wow. We've talked about this a bunch, right? Um, and I'm going to ask you it again because every time it's different because the teams are playing different. The Heat are the sixth seed. They're a half game above the Celtics. Okay. Uh, the Celtics are the seventh seed. How? What's the gap? How much would you rather see the Celtics versus the Heat? Um, I mean, lately the Celtics have looked a mess. I mean, based on what I've been seeing and their star players are banging each other on the, on the knees. Um, that being said, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's a considerable amount. I would prefer to play the Celtics at the, in this moment. I think also it'd be a nice little <clears throat> part of our narrative arc because I feel comfortable playing them. I think we would get that W. Um, it would be a nice part of the narrative arc to be like, and now we beat you in the first round of the playoffs after all that riffraff about picks and, uh, you know, all that good, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We'd stomp the Celtics out of the first round and get Danny Ainge fired. Right. Um, that would, yeah. And if, if it ended in Danny Ainge getting fired, then it would be truly a James, a, a Jason Kidd-esque kiss. That's a, that's a, it's a perfect kiss. <laughs> If the I mean this is I the Nets just lost you know two games that or three games in a row but two games against the Bucks that kind of feel like a little demoralizing even though they were close games, but if the Nets like full force James Harden Kyrie Irving Kevin Durant played the Celtics in the first round, that was like the consolation prize for not getting the number one seed. Mm -hmm. They played the Celtics the first round, win beat them in five games. And even the one win the Celtics got, it was just like that game three or game four situation where it was like yeah. the Nets just didn't care. And Danny Ainge was like just pushed out yeah. and like moved to a different part of the organization. I want – one, I want them to bring Billy King back in. Yeah. I want the Nets to bring Billy King no, out. The Celtics, to, the Celtics should hire Billy King then in that, situation, <laughs> in that scenario. I want, I want yeah. Billy King to come down from the rafters in the Brooklyn Knight <laughs> like, costume. Like Sting from like yeah, from yeah, NWO Sting. 
And I want him just to wave. I mean, I, obviously no one should be celebrating the Billy King era, but I, I do feel like we we kind of, uh, Billy King has been made a li- to be a little a bit per, too much. It's a bit of, of a pariah. It's unnecessary. It's yeah. unnecessary. We all pretty much understand that Prokhorov pushed for that trade in that level. The, you're, not, the, you're, not the deal, you're not allowed to say that. This is uh, this is going to dredge up a whole lot of PTSD. As much as I, you know, yeah. the the deal was not what it was before. There was like one draft pick, and it was either it was like just for Kevin Garnett, and then it became the thing it became because mm-hmm. ownership wanted to go big. Mm-hmm. And Billy King's, you know, the GM, and he accepts responsibility. For, but um, but again, it's yeah. so I want Billy King to come down from the rafters in the Brooklyn night outfit mm. and unmask himself yeah and just stare down does he give danny age. does he give danny age one of these th- a tombstone pile driver a stone cold <laughs> stunner or a rock bottom your choice um, what do you think billy king's I, given him i think a stone cold a stunner. stunner i feel like it's a stunner i yeah. think a big a swift <laughs> kick to the gut yeah dropping him down and then right. clapping some budweiser's together <laughs> yeah that's correct. I just saw the I just saw the meme of uh, Stone Cold giving Undertaker the beer, mm. and then Undertaker like looks at it for thirty seconds and then drinks it. <laughs> I haven't I have not seen this meme. Oh, it it it, it, it basically symbolizes enemies becoming friends, right? And it right. is poetic and beautiful. Sounds um, so. I got to say that would be you know, and I, obviously there's like the Kyrie Irving going to Boston factor, and you know, obviously I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I don't like that energy, but. Here you know, the he, Heat are the much better defensive team. Over the season, the Celtics have been the better team than the Heat. Uh, the, the Celtics' point differential is 1.6 positive, where the Heat are negative 0.5. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're roughly the same, but that, you know, <clears throat> well, again, the Heat are the better. I don't really want the Heat in the first Something round. that's also just been, I mean, this has been an interesting season for a million reasons, but also it's it's been so volatile with, like, when a team is good or isn't good. You know, like the Wizards right now are having a, a bit of a moment. Um, and it's, it's actually a pretty interesting season for having this play in tournament for the first time, because there has been such sort of volatile ups and downs in, what are you looking for? Are you looking at something? Googling? No, no. I, th- I thought my, rec- sorry. I thought my recording had stopped. Oh gosh. And it, it didn't. Oh yeah, yeah. Lord. Oh Lord in heaven. Yeah. Anyways, it's a good season you know for us for <laughs> to experiment with this play in tournament, despite, despite what everyone says. I'm, I'm pro play in for, everyone. for the moment. Yeah, LeBron, because yep. they're the sixth. Now they're back at the sixth seed, mm-hmm. um, and they're outside the playing tournament. And the Trailblazers are are the seventh seed. And mm-hmm. so, anyways, um, yeah. So it it's incredibly, you know, not getting the first seed is a real blow. I mean, it's not over yet. There's a lot. Yeah, they, I'm over they, it. I'm past it. Now we're playing Boston the second round. Who cares? Forget it. I think the moment James right, Harden steps on the floor, we're gonna feel pretty good about it ourselves right i hope i hope that it immediately comes flying back and i hope that he plays more than just like two regular season games here right he's also on my fantasy team so you know for those for those i'm in the finals here built up with just it's all smoke and mirrors at this point um thank you all for listening at bk glue guys on twitter uh thank you there's a couple of people that have been hopping in the uh apple podcast ratings oh uh so we're we're over i think 300 and i appreciate let's get over a thousand by tomorrow would be Super cool. Five stars um, we want and we need them. Shout out to the Discord. Link to join the Discord is in the Twitter bio. There's a little, it says chat, and then there's a Discord invite there. And then you can come in. And we're all hanging out, guys. We're all hanging out. And we twitch during game time. All that good stuff. Lots of, uh, good, lots of good. We're just a real media enterprise here. An empire even, Mike, with you involved. Uh, thank you all for listening.
Jeez. At BK Blue Guys on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Oh, Nat, shout out to Nets Daily and The Athletic, too. Yeah. And, and, um, no, that's it. Forget it. <laughs>